Thank you. Um, it's really a privilege to be here uh, with you here in, in Cape Town, UCT. I don't know whether you're Rondebosch or, or Cape Town or UCT. Um, I was at your other venue as well, um, but I'm glad I made it here. It's awesome to be here. Um, my church in Hermanus sends their love and their sympathy. We have water. <laughs> we can shower and bath and all those things. So you're welcome to come and visit us if you're dirty. Bring your washing as well. Our washing machines still work. And we're allowed to water our gardens. So if you want to see green grass, please come to Hermanus. Um, but this morning I want to share with you the Word of God that has life. So let us just pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you that it is alive, that it is powerful. We thank you, Father, that your ways and your thoughts are different than ours. As far as the heaven is from the earth, yet as you send rain to water the earth, so you send your word, and it will not return void to you, but it will accomplish its purpose, Lord. So we ask this morning that you will open our hearts and our minds, that we may understand your word, that you will give us faith, that we will not have hardened hearts, but that we may receive your word. And Lord, we ask that you will not um, just speak to us, Father, but we pray that your word will come and change us, transform us, that it will produce life in us. And so, Father, I ask that it will not be my words remembered, but yours, and only yours. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, this morning, uh, my title of my sermon is being plugged in. We all have cell phones. Um, we all know what it means from time to time to have to charge our phones because it runs flat. And, and this morning, I want to share with you something very basic, something very simple yet so profoundly powerful. And that's simply being plugged into the source of life. Um, I have discovered in myself and I've seen in many others that um, we, we can only run so long on battery. Then we run flat. We, we become empty and we need to recharge. And, 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 and the amazing thing is the busier we get, the, the, the more we use this smart device, whether it's a laptop or an, or an iPhone or a mobile phone, a cell phone, the more we use it, the quicker the battery life runs out. And the more frequently we need to recharge. And so too in life, we, we have not been designed to run on battery indefinitely. We have been designed to be plugged into the source of life. And, and, and the solution, and, and we've all been there, we've, we've run out where we run dry, where we run flat, where we come to the end of ourselves emotionally, spiritually, where we need to recharge. And the solution to this problem is quite simple. Recharge more frequently. If your device runs empty, recharge it more frequently. The question this morning is not so much about recharging as to where do we recharge. What is your source that you plug yourself in when you run empty? Where do we find the source? And what is the source? 
I love the simplicity of the gospel. As we look at um, this metaphor of being recharged, which we all need to do. Yeah, in, in John chapter 1 verse 1, we, we read the introduction of life. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was gone. He was in the beginning with God. And nothing that was made was made without Him. And this is so powerful because then it continues and says that all things were made through Him and without Him was made nothing that was made. In Him was life and that life was the light of men and that light shines into the darkness and darkness cannot comprehend it, cannot overcome it. And this is where I want to start. I want to start off with the source of life. We, we have been designed to plug into a source that gives us life. And, and we read, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and everything that was made was made through Him. Nothing was made without Him. And in Him was life. And this is where I want to start off with, that the Word of God is life. It is the source of life. As a matter of fact, everything that has life was made through Him, and nothing that was made was made without Him, because in Him is life. This is where we start. If you want to look, if you want to search for the source of life, this is where it starts. It starts with the Word of God. God spoke, let it be, and it happened. So, so here we, 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 are, we, are, we are exposed to the mystery of life, and that life is found in the Word of God. And then later on we see that this word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And this is where I want to start off this morning that, that Jesus is life. He is the source of life. He is the creator of life. He is the sustainer of life. And that life became flesh and lived amongst us. Jesus is life. Jesus is the Word that became flesh. And that's why Jesus declared here in John 14 verse 6. I'm going to read a lot of Word because in it is life. So if you want that slides afterwards, I'm sure it will be available. But John 14 verse 6. So maybe you shouldn't try to write this down because there's going to be just so many scriptures. Just get the slides at the end. So just rather focus and try to write down the scriptures. Jesus stood up and he said... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made a profound statement as the Word, as the source of life that became flesh. He stood up, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me because I am the way. I'm the only way. I'm the only truth. And I'm the only life. So Jesus is life. He is the source of life. And we have been created to be plugged into that source of life. This is who we are. Not only that, we read in 1 John 5, it says, If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And I'm sure in university you hear a lot of man. But if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. And this is the witness of God which He has testified of His Son, Jesus. He who believes in the Son 
of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. This is not Andre's testimony. This is not the church's testimony. This is God's testimony about this Jesus that we follow. This is God that says, this is my son in him is eternal life. If you have him, you have life. If you do not have him, you do not have life. If you don't believe him, you make God a liar. Because it's him that says that. So, so the word of God declares that the source of life is in the Son. Because the Son is the word of God that became flesh. And not only that, not only is Jesus life, he is eternal life. In other words, Jesus is not a power bank. He's eternal life. He, not, he never runs out. This is like plugging into ESCOM. Well, you know, it's a bit more secure. <laughs> he never runs out. Jesus is not just life, he is eternal life. If you have Jesus, you have life. Now, Satan knows that. So what he tries to do is, is to get us to plug into something else. If Jesus is life and eternal life, one of, one of the ways Satan tries to make us wither is to get us to plug into something else. And in this life today, there are just so many options. When you run dry, emotionally, spiritually, physically, there are just so many options out there that you can plug yourself into to get a little kick, to get a little charge, a little boost. And, and, and it helps for a while. You get a 5 or a 10 or maybe even a 50% jolt of power, but you know what? It never lasts. And the more you try to pursue these things that the world offers that all the other things that you can plug into so that you can recharge, so that you can be filled again with some energy, it eventually will fail you. Because it's not life. And Satan knows that, so, so he, he gives us all these options that give some temporary fulfillment. You know, you've heard people always speak about this void, you know, this, this void that needs to be filled. And only God can fill this void. There's, there, 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 there's a socket that fits only into God. And when you plug into Him, you will not just have life, but you will have everlasting life. Everything else you plug yourself into will eventually run dry. And you'll end up as empty as you was before, if not more, because it just distracted you, kept you busy with more stuff, but it didn't really satisfy the only thing that can satisfy is God. But Satan knows that. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. This is who Jesus is. He's not just come to give us life. He's come to give us life more abundantly. What is this life and how do we get this life? You know, it's so simple. I know you're very educated people. 
But I can't make it more complicated than this. You have to be plugged into the source. Jesus explained it this way in John 15. He says, I am the vine, and my Father is the wine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Jesus made this powerful statement. He says, listen here, I am the source. A branch on itself cannot produce fruit. Neither can you unless you abide in me. A branch cannot produce life unless it's abiding in the source of life. Neither can you unless you abide in the source of life. This word abide is very powerful in Greek. It means to continue to be present. Or to remain as one, not to become the other or different. Jesus is saying, you need to abide in me. You need to be continually present with me. Because on yourself you can do nothing. All that's going to happen is you're going to wither and die. Unless you abide in me, continue being present with me. And not becoming the other. What is the other? It's the world. The world says, this is where you're going to get fulfillment. This is what success is. This is what life is. This is going to produce you fulfillment and joy and happiness. More power, more wealth, more sex, more fame. This is what you need. This is what life is. This is going to bring you fulfillment. And Jesus says, no, I I am. And unless you abide in me, you will not have life. You cannot get it anywhere else. The English definition of abide is even more powerful. It says to be comply with, to obey, to observe, to follow, to keep, to hold to, to conform to, to adhere to, to stick to, to stand by, to act in accordance with, to uphold, to heed, to pay attention to, to agree with, to consent to, to accept, to go along with, to acknowledge, to respect, to defer to. It continues. I stopped there because the slide is running out. It's to continue to be present with and not to become like the other or to become something different. This is what it means to abide in Jesus. Not just to be present with Him continually, but not to become like the other, which is the world. That's why Jesus says, don't love the world or the things in the world. Why? Because the love of the Father is not there. It's empty. So how do we abide in Him and And what is the result when we do? Let's go back to Jesus. He continues here in verse 5. He repeats the point to emphasize. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, You will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As my Father loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. 
just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Jesus' words. Jesus says we must abide in Him. We must plug into Him. Two things that we need to abide in Christ. First, John 15 verse 4, Abide in me and I in you. So the first thing that we need to abide in is we need to abide in Him. And the second thing is, Jesus says, as the Father loved me and I also loved you, abide in my love. So there's two ways, two things that that we need to abide in Him. There's two things. We need to abide in Him, in Jesus, in Christ, and we need to abide in His love. What is His love? The very fact that He's come to give us life. He's come as a sacrifice for us. And I've found many Christians sometimes abide in Him, but not abide in His love. They do not understand that, that Jesus is not just a source of life. He has given us more than life. He's given us identity and purpose. He's come to redeem us. So many Christians, even though they know Jesus, they don't stay in His love. His love says, I love you. You're mine. I've forgiven you. I've redeemed you. I've raised you up. I've made you a new creation. I've dealt with your past. You belong to me you're my son you're my daughter nothing can separate you from my love and we sometimes move out of his love when we believe the lies of the devil that says you're not loved you're not worthy you're not accepted you will fail and the world is going to fall in all around you that's how we move out of his love even though we christian we sometimes believe the lies of the devil that says you are not worthy that you're not loved that you're not saved that you're not forgiven that you're not good enough So there are two things that we need to plug in. We need to plug into Jesus, who God says this Jesus is, who is the Son of God, who is the source of life, and we need to stay in His love and not move from that place. You must understand this. The devil knows that, and all he wants to do is to distract you. He wants to distract you from the source of life. We must be plugged into Him and His love, and the result of this of being plugged into Him is powerful. The result of being plugged into Jesus is love, joy, and fruit. (laughs) Love, joy, and fruit. Now, those in itself are a sermon on its own, and and I really don't have time to go into that, so I'm going to just skip over that. But but, but the result of being plugged in, I just want to think about this, is fruit. We'll get to that. It's love. Isn't this what the world is chasing after? And joy. Love, joy, and fruit. So how do we abide in Him? Because my time is going to run out. How do we abide in Him? Well, the first step, there's three steps. The first step is most, but let's just keep it to three It's the simple, the most important, the most powerful ones. It's the first step to abide in the source of life. 
is to believe. You, you need to believe that He is the source of life. If, if, if you want to know how do we plug in to God, the first step is faith. You need to believe. If you don't believe, you'll never be able to plug in. And please don't believe what I say. Believe what God says about Jesus. It's God that says, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. This is, this is the Word. This is eternal life. If you have the Son, you have life. So the first step to plug into this source of eternal life is to believe that Jesus is the source. If you don't believe, you, can't, you will never be able to plug in. So that's the first. You need to believe. You need to believe what God says about this Jesus. That's the first one. The second one is, you need to abide in His Word. John 15 verse 7 to 8 says, If you abide in Me, and My words abide in you. So the second way to, second step to abide in Him is first to approach it, to approach Him with faith. But secondly, it is to abide in His Word. Because after all, He, he is the Word. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's so complicated. No, I must apologize, it's so simple. I'm trying to make it complicated. I'm, I'm really trying to make it complicated. But Jesus is life. Jesus is the Word that became man. He's the spoken word, the incarnated word, and now we have the written word. Jesus says, the way you plug into me is to abide in my word. Where do we get his word? Well, here it is. Go read the let red letters. Start there. The whole of the word, the whole of the Bible is inspired by God, but let's just, for argument's sake, start with Jesus' words. But this is how you plug into the source of life. You abide in faith, but you abide in His Word. You've got to read the Word. You've got to get to the Word. You've got to abide in it. You've got to read it. Don't just read it. Study it. Don't just study it. Meditate upon it. Speak to God about it until He gives you a revelation of what it is that He says. And you know what the great thing is? Most of it is not complicated. So don't leave your engineering degree to study theology. Just read the Word. It's so simple. My two kids can understand it. I'm trying to make it very complicated. Yeah, Matthew 4, Jesus says, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Why? Because it's life. It is life. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. Sometimes Jesus says difficult things, hard to understand, challenging things, but it is life. And if you have faith and you abide in those words, you are abiding in Him. And, and sometimes it's offensive. Je Jesus Many times, especially when the crowd got so big, you know, we must write a, Jesus, I'm glad Jesus didn't write a book on church planting or church growth. It would be very confusing because whenever the crowd got too big, he would turn around and offend them. You must, you must check Jesus. Check him out. 
Whenever the crowd got too big and says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have no part of me. And they were all offended. And then they tried to reason, with, how is it possible? And Jesus didn't say, no, 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 I meant, I meant spiritually. I was talking about communion. No, unless, surely I say to you, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And they got all offended and they all left. And it even says, many of his disciples followed him no longer. And then Jesus turned to the twelve and said, do you also want to leave me? And then Peter responded and says, Lord, but where should we go? Only you have the words of eternal life. Only you have the words of eternal life. Because the words that you speak are spirit and they are life. I'm trying to make it so complicated. But the way you abide in Him is to abide in His Word. You don't just read it like you read a textbook. You read it in faith, knowing that these things that Jesus said is life. This is how you abide in it. When you come to it with faith, when you, when you start, even before you read, you say, Lord, I pray that you will speak to me through your word, that you will open it up to me. Show me your ways. Be like Moses. God, if I found favor in your sight, teach me your ways that I may know you. This is life. The word of God is alive. It's active. It doesn't return void. It accomplishes its purposes. It is the mind of God, the wisdom of God, the heart of God, the will of God. It is the word that became flesh. And in John 8.31, Jesus said, Abide in my word, and you are my disciples indeed. The main strategy of the devil... If that is true, it makes sense that the main strategy of the devil is to attack the word. Remember the fall of man? God created everything through the word, by the way. And it was a perfect environment. There was no flaw, there was no sickness, there was no disease, there was no death, it was absolutely perfect and God created man in his image and likeness and placed him in this perfect environment gave him free will God didn't create evil, he created free will with free will come the possibility of rejection rejecting who God is, is sin that's where evil come from God created man with free will because he wanted the type of relationship that was different to instinct. It's called love. Who's in love here? Why? Ah, oh, you're sitting together. <laughs> Why are you all like in love when you're single? <laughs> sitting alone. Here's a couple. <laughs> what is your name? This makes sense to me. This makes sense. That doesn't make sense to me. This makes sense to me. What is your name? Ella. What's your name? Tapio. You know what makes love special? Because the PR, the PR chose Allah. Among all the women here, he chose her. Among all the options here, he chose her. Now how does it make you feel? It's special, isn't it? It's amazing. 
It's amazing to know somebody chose me not because they had to, not because they were forced to, not because I was the first woman that entered the door driven by instinct. It was a choice. It makes love special. That's what God created. He created us with free will because He wanted love, not instinct. But with that comes the possibility of rejection. You want to know, want to summarize what sin is in its essence? It's rejecting who God is. The law is an expression of who God is. Do not lie, do not steal. This is who I am. So when you steal and you lie, you're not just breaking a rule, you're rejecting who God is. It's a personal matter. So God created man in this perfect environment and He says, everything is for you. Everything is life. It's yours except this one tree of its fruit you will not eat because if you eat of it, you will die. One rule. Everything is yours. One choice. Just believe in me. Follow me. First word Satan spoke to man was a question. Did God really say? Questioning God's word. Did God really say? Questioning the source of life. Did God really say? Second, did God really mean if you die, you will die? Questioning God's word then questioning God's integrity. Now actually, God wants to keep from you. And then debate. You can be like God. You can decide for yourself what is right and wrong. Oh, the devil has never stopped with that tactic. To this very day, did God really say? Did he really mean? Well, you can decide for yourself what is right and wrong. And we make these choices. Who are you going to follow? We have free will. We can choose. And the consequences is what we bear. Life or death. Sorry, I'm getting distracted. But over the years I've noticed... Christians don't backslide suddenly. Christians backslide gradually. And it's not as if the devil reveals himself in all of his almost said splendor. There's no splendor in him. But he doesn't jump out in front of us and say, Yeah, it's me! <laughs> Follow me! I will kill, steal and destroy you! Who wants to follow a guy like that? No, he's very clever. He's very subtle in his ways. Christians don't backslide suddenly. They drift away. Gradually. You know like a piece of wood you throw in the water? It just like slowly but surely moves away. I was reading Hebrews a month or so ago and I was just Struck again by it, something I never saw. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. It says, God, who at various times, in various ways, spoke in time past to our fathers by the prophets. 
God in various ways at various times spoke to our fathers in times past by the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. And which time are we living? In times past or in the last days? We're living in the last days. I'm going to distract from my message for a moment here. You know how many Christians today, and don't misunderstand me, Please don't miss, I'll, I'll correct myself here in case you misunderstand. But you know how many Christians today, they run after the prophet to hear what God is saying. And we fly all over the world to hear the word of the prophet. And please don't misunderstand me. I believe in the prophetic. I believe in the office of the prophetic. And I believe in the prophetic word. But you know how many Christians today, they run after prophets. They get into planes and spend lots of money to hear what the prophet is saying in Africa and America. But that's in the times past. In these last days, Jesus has spoken to us. He's spoken to us. You don't need to fly anywhere. You can just open your Bible. And yes, God still uses prophets, but don't run after a prophet. Run after Jesus. Various times in various ways. In times past, God spoke to us through His prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son. And in the rest of the first chapter, He speaks about the supremacy of Jesus. Who is this Jesus? Who is this Son? And He says, just as an introduction, appointed Him heir of all things. And who also, He made the world. He made the world through Him. This is life. And then in the rest of the chapter 1, He explains about the supremacy of Jesus the Word of God, over the prophets. And then he continues in chapter 2, verse 1, therefore, my favorite English word in the Bible. Therefore. Therefore is my favorite word because it's always between a promise and a premise. There's always a premise for the promise. So that's why I love the word therefore. Whenever I see it, I, I study. <laughs> Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things, therefore seek first the kingdom of God. Huh? So what is the therefore? And then there's a therefore before that therefore. Go check that out. Then that therefore makes sense about that therefore that makes sense what Jesus says at the end. But anyway, go check all the therefores. Just follow the lead. You're very intelligent people. Therefore, in God, in various times, in various ways, in times past, spoke to us through the prophets. But in these last days, He has spoken to us through His Son, who is above everything, which everything came to being through Him. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things that we have heard, lest we drift away. Lest we drift away. God has spoken to us through His Son. In these last days, we must take more careful heed to what He has said, lest we drift away. And there are so many people that said, did God really say? Did He really mean? Can't you decide for yourself? This is life. <laughs> if you believe it and plug into it, you will reap it's fruit. The third way we abide in Him is to abide in His love. 
We must abide in Him and we must abide in His love. How do we abide in His love? I'm going to try and make it very, very complicated. I'm just going to quote Jesus because He answers the questions. I love Jesus. I love it. He gives us the answers. Here in verse 9, As my Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. How do we do this? Verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. It is so complicated. It is so difficult. It is as simple as that. The way we abide in His love is we keep His commandments. Now, obedience today has become a very controversial issue within the church. But it's not controversial to Jesus. He says, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. It's simple. If you say you love me, you'll obey my commandments. Here in John 14 it says, if you love me, keep my commandments. I'll read it again because it's very difficult. If you love me, keep my commandments. Why are we so confused as Christians? It's not difficult. John 14 verse 21, later on he says, He who has my commandments and keeps him, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I, and, and I will love him and manifest myself into him. How do we plug into Jesus? We believe, we abide in his word, and then we keep it. This is not burdensome. If you love someone, <laughs> who you're still in love? One hand. Now, now everybody's afraid. <laughs> who of you are married? Oh, let's pick on you, <laughs> the gentleman. Remember when you fell in love, when you saw this amazing woman that weakened your knees and made your heart jelly and you just saw this amazing creature standing out among all the women and then you had this desire you had this dream sure if she can be mine and you started a process of discovering what you like It was a process of discovering what she likes. You, you like rugby and beers with your friends. But she loves ballet and roses. I've never in my life bought, bought flowers. I've never paid money for flowers. Because it's such a waste. It's going to die. <laughs> but then when I met my wife... I, I, I wanted to know what flowers she likes. And I went to buy it with great excitement and great joy. It wasn't a burden to buy flowers. For the first time in my life, I paid money. For, I come from a flower farm. We farm with the stuff. I will not pay for it. I go in the garden and pick it. 
And I, we, we formed with Proteus and my wife. Oh, I had so much Proteus to give her. But she didn't like it. She didn't like Proteus. She liked lilies. We don't have lilies on the farm. So I had to spend money. And it wasn't a burden. It was with great joy to figure out what flowers she likes. And then I went to buy it for her. And it was a great excitement to do what she likes. And we went to want shows, musicals. And I was so excited to go watch a musical or a girly movie without any violence. And it was exciting. I wanted to do what she wants. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll do what I want. You do what I like. This is who I am. This is what I like. I like it when you love your brother and your sister. I like it when you're honest. This is, this, Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep me. Jesus says, why do you, I, don't, I don't have the scripture there. Why do you call me Lord, Lord? Why, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? This is how we, how we abide in Him. We, we have faith. We, we abide in His Word and we, and we do what He says. One John two verse four says, "He who says I know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him." I love one John; it's my favorite book because it asks these questions: How do we know that we are in him? And then it gives the answer. How do we know that we love him? And then it gives the answer. How do we know that we abide in Him? And then it gives the answer. There's like seven or eight. You can go find them. It's like treasures. Go find those eight questions that is so potent, so, so real. How do we know that we know Him? How do we know that we're in Him? Here's one of them. This is how you know. This, by this we know that we are in Him. How do we know that we're in Him? We keep His word. This is how we know. And His love has been perfected in us because we keep it, because we love Him. Because He first loved us, so we love Him. It's a response. It's not burdensome. It's something that we want to do. If, it's something, if you're not plugged in, this will always be religion to you. It will always be a lot of rules that you have to obtain or have to obey so that you can obtain His love. But if you're plugged into His love, this is something that you want to do. And it's not burdensome, it's joyous. But if you're not plugged into Him, it will be dead religion to you, and you will just have another set of rules that you're going to run after and run even more dry trying to keep it. Because unless you abide in Him, you cannot bear fruit. Sorry, it's so simple. But this is... life. This is how we know. I love it. It's so simple. But, but here comes verse 6. Just before you think you can do it in your own strength, just before you become religious and boastful, verse 6 says, He who says he abides in him ought to himself walk just as Jesus walked. He who says he abides in him or to walk just as Jesus walks. Now, this is, this, is, this is such an important verse because just before you think you can do this in your own strength, 
and become boastful and religious about it. It brings us the standard that you cannot do in your own strength. You can only do this if you're plugged in. This is the only way you can walk like Jesus walked is if you are plugged into Him. You cannot walk like Jesus walked outside of Him. And therefore, we are dependent on Him and not independent on Him. Therefore, we need to spend more time with Him in His presence, in His Word, so that we can become. And this is the amazing thing about this relationship with God. The more we follow Him, the more we surrender to Him, the more He fills us with Himself and His Spirit, and He changes us from the inside out, and we become more like Jesus progressively. As we see Him as in a mirror, we are being transformed into the very same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. It is God that does it in us, through us, and we become more like Him. But you cannot unless you're plugged into Him. Otherwise, it's just dead religion. So we need Him. Yes, it might be a challenge to us when we hear these words, but if you know Him, you see how He changes us. Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, obey my commandments. And He said, I've done all of that. And then Jesus said, there's just one thing He loved Him. He said, this is one thing you lack. You put your trust in something above me. There's something that you trust more than me. Go sell it and give it to the poor. A guy walked away sorrowful because he couldn't let go of that. And then Jesus said, how difficult it is for the rich to enter into the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for the rich. Why? Not because there's something wrong with wealth, but when they put their trust in their wealth, it's so difficult for them to enter into the kingdom because they have to let go and trust me. And then his disciples said, Sure, Lord, who then can be saved? And Jesus responded and says, With man, I think I've got it here. Matthew 19, verse 25, when his disciples heard it, they were greatly astonished, saying, Who then can be saved? And Jesus says, With man, it is impossible. But with God, <laughs> all things are possible. If you plugged into Him, He will change you to become like Him. You cannot. If you're not abiding in the vine, you cannot bear fruit. You cannot become like Him unless you abide in Him. This is the key. John 15 verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing. You cannot do this on your own. You cannot do this without abiding in him. And that is why the sign of who is the followers of Jesus will always be the fruit. This is the sign. This is why it always will be the sign. This is how you know who is the disciples of Jesus. You look at the fruit. Because without Him, you cannot bear this fruit. You can only bear this fruit if you're in Him. That's why it's the sign. That's why Jesus says, a bad tree cannot bear good fruit, and a good tree cannot bear bad fruit. It's throughout the Word. This is the sign. It's not to 
encourage you to become religious. It's encouraging to abide more in Him. Because this fruit you cannot have unless you are in Him. If you want to know who is in Him, look at the fruit. Because the fruit can only be if you're in Him. If you don't have the fruit, you're not in Him. And that's why it's the sign. It's, sorry, it's so complicated. This is it. You've got to be in Him. And if it's in Him, He's going to change you and you're going to bear this fruit. John 15 verse 5, He who abides in me and I in him bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. You, verse 16, did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit shall remain. Verse 15 verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And you know what? This fruit that we bear is not for us. It's not for me to show off or to claim anything, to have achieved anything or to have arrived anywhere. The glory does not go to me. It goes to the Father because of the fruit. Because it's clear and evident that the fruit that you see in me is not because of me. It's because of Him in me. And therefore, He gets all the glory for the change that happens in me. And continues to grow. So this is the cycle of glory to God, not to man. Because I myself can do nothing except Him through me. And I'm going to end with this. If you want to summarize the commandments of Jesus, the fruit of God, it's this. It's this one word. It's called love. Because God is love. This is who we become. We love. And this is another whole sermon. I don't have time to go on to that. But you can all read. Just go study what God says about love and what love looks like. Well, this is who we will become. The more you plug into Him, this is what you will become. 1 John 4 verse 7, Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifest towards us, that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world, that we may live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the preparation of our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. Continues there. But if we love one another, God abides in us. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God abides in us and His love has been perfected in us. Where's my wife? How much time do I have left? Two minutes. There are two types of people that walk into that door. One is somebody that wants to grow closer to God. They know God is alive and they're looking for a church where they can grow more spiritually. They want to they receive more of God and they're looking for an environment where they can make themselves vulnerable and that they can grow in God's presence. And when they come in here, if they experience love amongst you, 
for one another. If they can see how you love one another, as God has loved us, you start loving one another, they're going to walk in there and they're going to know this is a safe place. But then there's another person that's going to walk through that door. Is somebody that does not know if God exists. They want to see God. They don't know if God is real. They don't know if He exists. They've heard of all these rumors and these fanatical people that says God is real. They don't know if it's Santa Claus or something else. But they want to see God. So they come to church. They want to see God. The Word of God says no one has ever seen God. But if you love one another, God abides in you. You know how powerful love is? If you love one another the way God loves you, People will walk in and they will see God through the way you love each other because God is love. This is so simple, it's yet so powerful. So we plug into Him and we become more like Him and we start to love people around us the way He loves us. People will see God in and through us. This is how His love is completed, perfected in us, depending which translation you're reading. God demonstrated His love by sending His Son dying for us on the cross and it is completed in me. Not when I accept His sacrifice. I always thought that. But it's completed in me when I start to love the way He loves. Then the purpose of that love is completed in me. It's not when I accept the sacrifice. It's when I become like it. Then it's complete in me. This is, this is where we're going. We all need to plug into Him so that we become more like Him, so that we can love more like Him. Which is not, I love my neighbor equal to myself. I give you a new commandment that you must love one another as I have loved you. By this, the world will know that you're my disciples. Not your great miracles, not your great teachings, not your many buildings, but the way you love one another. This is how the world will know you're disciples. The fruit. What is the fruit? It's love. Love for one another. This is where we're going. When we follow, when you plug into Jesus, you will start loving person next to you more in front of you behind you and this is how the world will know i'm getting distracted and then it says by this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit and what is the fruit of the spirit (laughs) love joy peace joy goodness kindness gentleness self-control all those things you see when we plug into him He fills us with His Spirit. And what is the fruit of that? Love, joy, peace. Isn't that what the world is running after? Isn't that what the world is selling to distract us, plug into this? You will have love, you will have peace, you will have joy. No, it's only found in God. As we plug into Him and He in us and we become more like Him, He fills us with His Spirit and the fruit of that. And this is the end of all. I'm going to stop here. I want to focus just on this one thing, that's joy. When you plug into this source of eternal life, you know what is the fruit of it? Apart from love, it's joy. It's when you wake up in the morning and you are happy. (laughs) You wake up in the morning, you're not depressed, you're not worried, you're not stressed. You have joy. This, this, is, this is what the world lures us with, what the world is after. You need this, you need that, and you need more of this, more sex, more money, more fame, more power. Then you will be happy. 
And that's why those who have power, those who have money, never stop because they keep on wanting more because they never get to the place where they are. Have joy. You wake up and life is amazing. When you're plugged into God, you will have joy even though you don't have the cars and the houses and the women and the money. You'll have it anyway. Jesus, I'm going to end off with Jesus' words. He says, this is the end result. These things, John 15 verse 11, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Not half empty, but full. Abide in me. And my joy will be in you your joy will be full because I am life. I am the source of life. I'm the creator of life. I'm the sustainer of life. And if you plug into me, you will have joy. Let us pray. Father, we want to thank you that you have given us your son so that we may have life. And that we may have it more abundantly. And that your love and your joy and your peace may be in us. And that it may be full in us. So that it can overflow to those around us. God, I pray that, Lord, we will plug into you. Jesus, you stood up. And you cried out, all who are thirsty, who are hungry, if you are thirsty for life, if you are hungry, if you are, if you are dry within yourself and you want life, like, like the women at the well, Jesus said, if you knew who stood before you, you would not ask for water, but for living water, which he would give you, and it would spring up within you and overflow into eternal life. You are the source of life. If you are here this morning and you are hungry, you are thirsty. Jesus is making an invitation while all the eyes are closed. And He says, come to me. And I will give you life. If that is you this morning and you want to respond, if you are thirsty, if you are hungry, if your battery is running empty, I want to give you an opportunity while all the eyes are closed just to respond to Jesus. He says, God, I want to plug into you. If that is you, just raise your hand. Just, Lord, I want more. Thank you for those hands. You can just raise them and you can drop them again. This is between you and God. Maybe you are here this morning and, and you have never plugged into Jesus. You've never really plugged into Him. And you want to do this this morning. You want to respond to Him as the source of life. You want, to, you want to take a step of faith in what God says about this man, Jesus. If that is you, I want to give you an opportunity to respond also by just raising your hand. Say, God, I've never put thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? Thank you. I see that hand at the back. You can drop that. Is there anyone else? Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Is there anyone else? This is an opportunity this morning 
with many others to plug into Jesus and to have His life come into yours. And you'll leave this place not, not very different to that woman that came to the well with a pot because she was thirsty, but then she met Jesus. Oh, when she left that place, she left the pot. <laughs> she left the pot and she ran into the town proclaiming that she has found the source of living water. If that is you, if you raised your hand for, for being filled with Him, to be recharged with Him, and to meet Him for the first time, it doesn't matter for what reason you raised your hand, I want to ask you to come forward because we want to pray with you. We, we want to help you plug in to the source of life. So I'm going to ask you, if you raised your hand, be bold this morning. This is why we're here. This is what the service is about, is to give you an opportunity. And we're going to pray with you for that source of living water. We're going to pray for you to recharge. Don't live, don't leave this place 10%. Leave this place fully charged. I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, just quickly come forward. And we're going to pray with you. This is an opportunity. So don't be shy. Don't be afraid. This is life. This is not philosophy. This is not philosophy. This is not a good sermon. This is the source of life. This is the Word of God that you come to. And I, and I want to encourage you. If, if you're dry, if you're thirsty, come. And for the rest of us, I want to ask you, as, as we, as the facilitators come forward to minister, they're going to ask you what you need. If you're here to surrender your life for the first time, they're also going to pray for you. And I'm going to ask the facilitators to ask you, what do you want? It's like, you know, Bartimaeus that came to Jesus, the blind man. He says, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus asked him, what do you want? <laughs> what do you want? So if that's you, come forward and, and God, God's going to give you your desire. But I want, to, I want to encourage the rest of us as we minister, as the band is going to minister to us, I assume, just take a moment and, and plug in where you're at. Don't leave your 80% charge. Don't leave your 90% charge. Just respond to His Word. Just in faith, in your own words, in your own heart, just respond to His invitation to abide in Him. And He in you, that He may give you the life so that you can be full. So let's do that. I'm going to ask the facilitators to continue the band to minister. And let's all of us as we worship in our own hearts in our own time before you stand before you sing just respond to God's word where you're at and ask him to fill yourself with more of him in Jesus name I'm going to pray a prayer and then we're going to continue Father I want to thank you for each and every person that is responding to you Lord I want to thank you Father that this is why you sent your son not to condemn the world but that the world through you might be saved Lord you saw us in our brokenness in our weakness and you send your Son so that we may have life. Not life that this world gives, life that you give. Not temporary life, eternal life. To fill us to the full so that we, our joy may be full. As we are in you and you are through us. So I'm just asking that, Lord, that you will come, Lord, and, and fill each and every person here today, Lord. Those who are responding for more and those of us who know you, Lord, that you will charge up 100%, Lord, that we leave this place not the same as we came in here, but full of you, more of you, that you'll give us a hunger and a thirst for your word, a faith to read it, to receive from it, Lord, that we will not be distracted by all the Facebook and the Twitter and the TV series and all the stuff 
but that we will know that your word is life. It's the purpose and the meaning of life that we will not boast in our riches, that we will not boast in our power, that we will not boast in anything, but that we understand and know you, that this may be our boast. Lord, I pray, if you have favor on us, Lord, teach us your way, that we may know you more, that we may know you, Lord. So I pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen.